Good evening and welcome. Oh, no, you know, it could be. We're no longer on radio, are we? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. We have no more restrictions. This is weird. All right. In the red corner, wearing red and black trunks is. In the other corner. And all their friends. So without any further ado, let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast in which we try and figure out who is winning this battle, this age-old aggressive battle between Netflix, you sitting down at home or watching stuff on your sofa, and getting up, going to a darkened room or watching things in the cinema. My name is Tosin and I will be your host for the next hour. I am based up in Coventry in the United Kingdom and... On the Isle of Wight are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hiya. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Doing all right. Thank yeah, you we're, doing, we're doing really fine. Oh, we're all we're snuggled up here, all ready all to go. Snuggly and warm. Yeah. yeah. So, has the snow made How's it all the way up to the way? Isle of Wight yet? Not a flake. Not a flake. No, not a flake. <laughs> <laughs> How about up your way? We put, it was white this morning. It was a really hard frost, but we had no snow. Uh, no, no, we've had more snow. We've had more snow falling down, settling, doing all that. So it's, yeah, we, we've actually, we actually had a sort of winter wonderland scene this morning. Uh... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of, kind of it's, it's one of those things you go into, you go into a park and it looks like Narnia. That's what, that's what we're getting up here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. That sounds, just, sounds lovely. We may get yeah. that every few years, but yeah, yeah, maybe not this year. All right. Who knows? Who knows? Well, you know, you never know. It might, I, I do think it is traveling down south because when we started off, um, we, we had it a couple of days before it happened in London. So there might be a couple of days and maybe you'll get it. Maybe you'll cross that little bit of water and come to the that island. water. Or maybe we'll just decide that's just way too tropical. Who, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we shall see. Um, anyway, uh, this week, in the week, uh, we are recording this in the week that the uh, Oscar nominations for 2019 have been released. And as if they are listening to us and talking about our self-central theme, everybody's talking about the fact, okay, obviously, whenever the Oscar nominations come out, there's a whole bunch of stories that are coming out of it like for instance black panthers received seven nominations including a nomination for best picture black clansman is up for a couple yeah of we're looking Oscars. at the best yeah I'm, i must say that i'm i mean we're looking now at the best picture nominations black panther black clansman bohemian rhapsody favorite green book roma star is born my quick ones on them black panther yes that's a good shout black clansman probably my second favorite film of of the year I rated A Star Is Born. I liked that one. Yeah, Star Is Born. I thought. It, yeah, I think I we spoke about one. that. It fell and down a little bit at the end. I thought. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I liked it, and um, I like Bohemian Rhapsody. But we're going to talk about that. We are. We are. Yeah, on. and I like Green Book. Yep. And I like Vice as well. So, so yeah. So that's that's. There's some interesting stuff. It's yeah. a good selection, I think. It's a good selection, but the big story I think of this whole thing, especially relating to us, is that Roma. The film by Alfonso Cuaron, which most of the world will only ever see on Netflix, is up for 10 awards, which is the joint, it's leading the race, the joint one with The Favourite, which... Uh, is, is, is that the one we spoke about? Is that the one you spoke about? Roma, yes. Roma, yeah, yeah. Sharon, yeah. 
Well, I, don't, I haven't seen it yet, but no, I'm aware of it oh, right, on okay. Netflix. Yeah. yeah, yeah, none of oh, us, wow. have, none of us have seen it yet. I keep saying I mean, I keep saying I mean to watch it because I've, I think, but obviously it's Alfonso Cuaron, and the guy is a bit of a, he's a bit of a genius, and almost everything mm. he does, immediately people start yelling about, oh my god, Oscar, 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 Gravity, Oscar. Um, was that one with Leonard, Leonard DiCaprio freezing, Revenant. The, yeah, the Revenant. The Revenant. Oh, the Revenant, yeah. yeah. And now he's made Roma. He's made Roma, and obviously everybody's talking about it, but the fact is they released it in cinemas for a very short period of time, and I think the main reason they released it in the cinemas for a short period of time was so it would qualify for the award ceremonies. But, the, but uh, so because it's been in cinemas, it qualifies for the Oscars, but apart from that, most of the world will see it on Netflix. And I think this is Netflix, who, you, can you just imagine the, the sort of, public publicity coup that they're going to have if they do win best picture they're going to be like a netflix movie wins best picture and i think it's just for me it's evidence of netflix just going a lot more aggressive at trying to take cinemas down <laughs> yeah yeah you could yeah, be right it is sort of taking on the big boys isn't it really yeah it, it really really is i mean they they're being just they they're they are your typical disruptors they're like this is the way things have been done for ages we're coming in we're going to do it so we, we will see what happens on the 24th of February. It's not that far away now. It's not, no, the, not, not that far away. We'll see what happens on the 24th of February and we'll see. I think it's going to be majorly interesting if pretty much Netflix win Best Picture. Or if Netflix, I think they're going to win, they're, they're going to win some of them. They're going to win some awards. So it's going to be the, I think it's going to be the first time a Netflix movie has won any Oscars. And it's uh, Hollywood is going to have a major, major identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it mainly? Isn't the Oscars mainly Hollywood people though? It t- they, yeah, so, they I mean, vote for it themselves. Yeah, they vote yeah. for it themselves. So yeah, you know, they're up against them. Unless someone's got the the. Because don't you have to have been nominated in the past to become a uh, part of the Academy? I believe you and do. And then you get a voting right, don't yeah. you? Yeah, well, you do. No, I know there's, there's got to be other grounds for being a member, but I don't know what they are. No, yeah. I don't know. There's other grounds, like you can be nominated. I think you do have to be, you have to be nominated to be a member. You don't have to have been nominated for an Oscar, but you, you have to be nominated to be a member of the Academy. So, but the thing is, a lot of them, a lot of these people, they like, for instance, if we look through all the other things, best song, best song in the movie uh, has uh, one of the nominees is, when a cowboy has, when a cowboy gains his wings from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, it's from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is actually oh up for, let's see, it's, it's up for best costume design as well, best song. So there are there, these things. Ballad of Buster Scruggs is another one that is a Netflix movie. And yeah, Buster Scruggs, we, we spoke about that, didn't we? Yeah, we spoke about Buster Scruggs. Good film. That's the Coen Brothers. So it's people like the Coen Brothers are voting for these things because, but they're like, as I think they just want to make films. They want to make films, yeah. and they will go with whoever lets them make their film. And Netflix at the moment, they're saying, yeah, we'll let you make your film. We're not that bothered about how much money. We're not. We're not bothered about box office receipts. We're not bothered about that because as long as people pay their subscriptions and all that, we have the money. I- so. Yeah, I, I wonder if Netflix are quite, they say, they give them a lot of license as well. And like, so the Coen yeah. brothers, they say base, basically, do you know what, here's the money, go make your film, we're not going to interfere. Whereas sometimes, yeah. sometimes, um, you know, the studios might, you know, if they're done major companies, sometimes they can interfere a little bit, can't they? And like yeah. with the, whereas other people have probably got their own ideas that they want to do. So yeah. you're going to get yeah. quite a lot of people that will like that. Yeah. 
And, and uh, that's why I think it's like a, it's a massive identity crisis going on in Hollywood because the fact is when you do something on, well, the studios, if they make a film, they need it to be a hit to make their money back. Netflix yes. don't need it to be a hit. <laughs> because no, that's true. Even if it's a weird... No, Sorry, carry on, Sharon. No, I was going to say they've got a guaranteed fixed income, haven't they? Because people yeah. pay yeah. every month. So they know that there's going to have... If there were 100 million members paying £5 a month, they know they're going to have... You know, that amount of money. Five yeah, so it doesn't matter if something's a flop, does it? It's not, yeah. like, it's not like if someone spends millions on a movie and it flops. Yeah. It's awfully... Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's... So it... Like Solo did, didn't it? Some big films sort of didn't do very yeah, well, did they? Yeah, it didn't they? do as well as they were You thinking. know, didn't make the money. It, it didn't do as well as... It wasn't a flop, but they, it didn't do as well as they wanted it to. Yeah. Which is, which, is, which is another thing. Like, films can make money and still studios would be like, well, it wasn't, it wasn't what we wanted, so we're, we're, we're not going to make that... We're not going to make a sequel or anything like that. So it's a bit like, uh, you know, you're showing a film I know you like, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. Yes. Yeah. 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 It that film it actually made money, but it didn't make enough money for them to want to make another one. The secret, no, that's it. Well, I think they've put this uh, like we're saying about Solo, haven't they? Put the the next one on hold, haven't they? Put the Boba Fett one on hold. Oh yeah, the, the, what these sort of spin off yeah, ones? Spin off yeah. ones. They've they've pretty much the said that they're, they're not doing spin off Star Wars stories anymore. They've pretty much said no, forget it. We're not doing that anymore. That yeah. that one didn't make enough money, that's it. but. But hey, anyway. <laughs> greedy, greedy suckers. And it's interesting. Another film we're going to be talking about tonight, Glass, the, the belated sequel to Unbreakable. I think they didn't make it earlier. Quite one of the reasons was they didn't believe that Unbreakable, even though it made a lot of money, but compared to Six Sense, it wasn't a huge... No, because I think he put in quite a lot of his own but money. They put a lot he? of money in it. So I think that's why they're always a bit reluctant to make a, an outright sequel. Yeah. yeah. So he, he got through, he did it in a sneaky sort of way, didn't he, by... Doing an unofficial sequel with with um, Split. Split. Yeah. Okay, so I I think that that I think those are the kind of films that are going to be going more towards Netflix in the future. And Sharon, you absolute beauty, what a lovely segue. Now let's talk about our yes. first film today. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've got us to our first film that we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about and this is so last week you guys were leaving to go watch this film in the cinema and that's Glass. So. We're trying yes. to keep things on, on pack. So you have seven minutes. Seven minutes to talk about this film. We ask questions. We fire things away. And then you let us know what you think. So, Sharon, would you like to do us the honours and tell us a little bit about... You've already started a bit. Tell us a little bit about Glass. Yes. Yeah, so this is uh, the third instalment in the Unbreakable storyline. M. Night Shyamalan's series of films. So it's starting with Unbreakable with uh, David Dunn, played by Bruce Willis, who's... Um, a man who can't be hurt. He's, a, he's got super strength. He's a superhero, as in, straight out of a comic book. And his arch nemesis was Mr. Glass. And then at, we and then encountered um, another comic book anti-hero, The Beast, in Split, played by James McAvoy, who was this multi-personality person, and, and his like dark core was The Beast. The Beast, that's it. And then this is the third film where basically those three people, Mr. Glass... David Dunn, Mr. Unbreakable, and The Beast all meet yeah. and collide in, in unexpected and, yeah, interesting yeah. ways. Interesting ways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Interesting ways is exactly right. Um, yeah, as I say, it's, it's great. Do you know what I liked about this? I, I mean, was like they actually, like you said, The Beast, but 
all his personalities is called the host. And yes. I think they had some, the horde, some names the horde. for David Dunn as well. The, the horde. horde. The Horde, that's yeah. it. Yeah, The Host is a Korean movie. Yeah, The Horde. And I think David Dunn, they had him as like the, what did they call him in this one? Like the cape. The Overseer. He did have the, the overseer. overseer. That's it. And there was some, some other ones they were calling him. So, so he's all got their names. And um, I mean, I really like that, that little bit about it. Which, are, which you know, when they all come together. Because yeah, on here, it's... Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, right, it's got them all. And when they did the car, I thought, well, it's quite good at the end. The very end, if you stayed around, they'd had the credits. And you had James McAvoy playing. And then they listed all sort of oh, 25... Yes. that's it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. ...characters. That's it. Which I thought was, it was a nice nod, the fact that these, we wasn't just playing the host. He was yeah. playing... He was playing... He was playing... 24 separate people. people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, That's these it. different yeah. Kevin Wendell Crumb being the host. Kevin Wendell Crumb, Patricia. Yeah. There's Hedwig. Patricia Dennis. Hedwig, Hedwig is yeah. the nine-year-old boy. I don't... <laughs> yeah, the little boy. Hey, yeah. you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. well, okay, now... you gonna watch me dance. <laughs> well, okay, I'll tell you what I like about uh, uh, so M Night Shyamalan when he came out with The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, he became known for doing twists. And that was his big thing. Like, you know, whenever you went to watch an N Night Shyamalan movie, you were like, oh, where's the twist? What's the twist in this one going to be? And this is a man who has, he has essentially made an entire film a twist. So the problem I have oh, with, yeah. the, the, the problem I have with talking about Glass is, to talk about Glass is a total spoiler for Split <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So, and, and, and it's, it's kind of like, so if somebody hadn't seen Split, and then saw the poster for Glass. You're kind of watching it, going, "What the heck? How did those guys? What's going on?" <laughs> because well, that's exactly what did happen with my business partner. Because he said to me, "I'm going to see Glass tonight." I said, "Oh, have you seen Unbreakable and Split?" Then he said, "No." <laughs> I said, "They are. They are all linked." And are they? It's like yes. So he saw Glass. Then he's gone away and he's bought the other two. And then he's since watched the other two. He says, "Now it makes sense." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you. I think you've got to see the other movies, really. Yeah, I think it's uh, quite uh, key. I think I think you do. I think you do because I remember Unbreakable when it came out. Unbreakable is one of the few films that I saw and I thought, "Hang on, that film is not long enough. Where's the rest of it?" Yeah. <laughs> because it it's, it feels it's almost a, it's a classy film. It is it, a real, real, it's a beautiful film. It's a, yeah. The one thing, yeah, the one thing I, as well I love about this is the way it's shot because it's gone back to like Unbreakable where it's shot yeah. shot like you know panels and comics. And the one in particular that really stuck in my mind is when. Samuel Jackson when he's he's sort of framed in a doorway, and and it lingers on it that for oh, yeah, quite yeah. a long time. And before I've he really rolls into the, on that. before he rolls into the side into the light, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just thought, mm, yeah, that's good. It was, and there was other moments through it which which it was. I mean, I think from watching Unbreakable, where it was all done like panels of a of a comic book. Yeah, you know, there are moments in this where it's done like a comic book. Yeah, because yeah. they he's got an interesting use of color, hasn't he? Our old. M night because I think in Unbreakable it was anyone with a, wearing a really strong colour. It was someone who had a he had a connection to David Dunn. Yeah, and there was the, also I don't want to give spoilers about no. it. So I think his use of colour and his use of light and shade, especially in this film, was sort of marked, wasn't it? You do get these strong shadows and these strong contrasts. Yeah, which is is quite a pictorial treat. Yes. But yeah, I think it was it was quite visually it was it was quite visual striking. So that makes a real difference, I think, with this sort of film where it is based on classic comic books rather than you know modern, modern Walking Dead yeah. type comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it harks back to that classic age, superhero. doesn't it? The superhero yeah. type and villains. Yeah. And I think well, it did it did it really well. 
Yeah. And I'm not someone who I read 2000 AD when I was a, a youth, but I, I haven't really. You're been still into a youth, the... <laughs> Sharon. You're still a youth. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I guess uh, anyone sort of listening to this, they won't see it. So we're like, oh, yeah, I bet she does look young. <laughs> I'm very young looking on the radio or the streaming thingy. <laughs> what? Okay. But yeah, yeah but... so in my youth, I watched 2008. So I'm aware of like, you know, the structure of, of comics rather than being an aficionado myself. But yeah. I thought it was really cleverly the use of colour, the use of shade, shade. the use of, um, yeah, just the framing, framing. Of, of the shots exactly, I thought yeah. was particularly striking. Yeah. I'll tell you what yeah. I really like about this, because Unbreakable predated the superhero glut of movies that we have at the yeah, moment. Yeah, the Marvel-verse. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. anybody who talks about, uh, who's listened to any me for any length of time knows how much I love the Marvel movies and I love what they've done there. Mm. But Unbreakable sort of predated that before superheroes were just sort of like a byword. It was almost kind of like, Unbreakable was like this movie that was almost made for the comic book nerd who hangs out in the comic book store. And... The, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was a small little sort of almost like a small little, what's the word, chocolate box of a movie? Like it was like a little yeah, present. Maybe, a, a bit, and maybe a homage a bit to, yeah. to that golden age. Or I think they call it the silver age because yeah. they're comics age, from different yeah. ages, aren't yeah. they? So the silver age of comics, I think. And, so. and I love the fact, and it's, it's one of those films that, you know, when, you, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, they're doing something really clever here. I'm not sure what it is, but I know I like it. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was and you just and I loved that glass glass just felt like Unbreakable in that so Unbreakable doesn't have like a big showdown it doesn't have a big right we shall now tear down the tower and there shall be so much destruction it doesn't have yeah. that and the more glass went on the more I thought oh, oh they're pulling the same trick again they're pulling the same trick again <laughs> and I love the fact that they talk about comic books as a mythology like it's I, they, the whole thing that comic books are actually like a history book almost like the like the idea that somebody like Superman did exist and it's just so like the vestiges of people and what human beings can do in a higher state of evolution that has trickled down time and has become comic books and I, I just love the way they build the mythology. I think it's very well thought out, very well done. Yeah. And I think James McAvoy is crazy good. Crazy <laughs> good in this film. I mean, all... Yeah, they're all distinct. It's him, but they're all distinct personalities, aren't they? Yeah, they're yeah. recognisable. Yeah, yeah. so, so. I mean, yeah. the body yeah, language, everything is so totally different for all the different characters that he plays in this film. Uh, and I think... Yeah. Oh, I think Sarah I, Paulson I, is also great in it. But uh, anyway, but uh, anyway, I'll, uh, essentially, I thought it was I'll a very nice nod, film. though. What? Yeah, I would again. But what I thought was a really nice nod was the fact that all of the actors from Unbreakable returned. In yeah, this we one. said about that. Yeah, we said at the time we yeah, looked son. and thought, oh, well, it is actually the the son, the, yeah, the, I the know. mother. Yeah, I know. They are the same that actors. That was so good. And that was like, so good. What? How they they managed to get the same people back? Yeah. I know. I mean that. that... <laughs> it makes it feel like the continuation of the same world. It really, really it? does. And exactly, it really yeah. did work. I know. That so was just a thrill. Yeah. A thrill I think. I think. I think. For me, that was like that was. That was I almost sort of like squeed in the cinema when I realized that it was the same <laughs> kid from Unbreakable who they brought back like 19 years later. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so, but okay, anyway, we have we have got over a time for this. I love this film. How many stars would you guys give it? I give this a four. I give it a four. I give it a four as well. I give it a four. I, I mean, I could talk about this film for a lot longer than we've given ourselves time to do it. I, yeah, we could uh, but indeed. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, 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 anyway, I really, really like this film. Okay, cool. Now, let us go on to, we are 
putting, so what we've decided to do is that we've decided that each one of us is going to bring an offering, if you will. So we will bring an offering to the, to the podcast each week. One of, we'll each bring a cinema movie and a Netflix movie. So I'm going to put up Bird Box. And I think, Sean, you, this, was your, this is the one that you, you put forward, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Bird Box. Yeah, the Netflix yep. original. Yep. So, you know, starring Sandra Bullock. Yep. And um, I think you've seen this as well. I've you, seen this one you, as you've well, You've seen yeah. this as well, yeah. Okay, well, basically, this is this is a story about something's happened. There's some event that has happened. So it's a, like a, I don't know, you wouldn't call it an apocalypse, would you? But it's like No, a, it's this, a catastrophic event, catastrophic though, this event. worldwide catastrophic yeah, event. This worldwide catastrophic event has happened. And so it's, it's like a little bit of a survival movie, and it's about Sandra Bullock is this character that has to take some some children uh, she takes it away to you know to safety if you will um and so it's it's really it's an adventure story i think yeah. and this group of people but there's a twist though isn't there, there about this yeah there is a there is a twist i think it's obvious because people have seen the posters and they've posters, been yeah. but basically this this catastrophic event is triggered if you actually see this thing we never see it uh, when we see the whole story through the eyes of the characters okay. but yeah if you see this thing it creates you to want to. It, it has different reactions on different people, but for the majority of the people who see it, that it makes them want to kill themselves. Right. So you have like this spontaneous acts of suicide. And so what people have worked out very early on is if you don't see it, it can't affect you. Yeah. So they go around outside blindfolded. So they have to escape and get to this safe place. But the key is, it's that all blindfolded. They are all blindfolded, aren't they? But um, the thing is a bit like, and it's a bit like. I mean, if anyone's ever seen the film Skyline, have you ever seen Skyline? Yes, I've seen Skyline. Seen Skyline. I mean, I think this film, for me, borrowed from a lot of other films, from from The Happening. From, it's sort of reminiscent you know, of The Quiet Place as well, because in that one they had yeah. to be silent, and this one they had to be, they can't see. They can't see, yeah. So they okay. To, but, yeah, so, yeah. Um, for me, I think it was too many other movies in it. it to me, it was. I, I didn't think there was anything... I, found nothing original in this movie whatsoever i don't know about you and i just i mean as it went on i was thinking uh, you know it's 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 cliched and it's just borrowed from so many sources you know and i immediately thought of of skyline there were some moments where i thought of the happening like you say a quiet place and i'm not really sure what it wanted to be this film yeah because in some ways it's like an eco-apocalypse where it's like the world has turned against its inhabitants but it's also um yeah, it sort of borrows from different. Borrows from lots. From different genres. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I quite, I quite liked it because I think I, I, I quite liked her character. I think it all depends on whether you root for Sandra Bullock or not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do in some. Because she's things. not a likable character in this. She's no, quite she's hard. Not. She's she brutal. Is, yeah. She's determined that you know she's going to survive, and the people around her she wants them to survive. So she's become this hard, 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 hard nut really, but. So it all depends whether you root for her or not, and I quite—I found that I did. You did, yeah. Oh, okay. um, so, so with this, I on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Sean on the other hand was just wanted to take off that blindfold and look at whatever it was. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so with yeah. this, okay. So, Sean, you were saying that it—it it seems like it borrows from a lot of different things, but you know, sometimes you have a film that has a pretty like some of the things in it are kind of like similar or they're kind of familiar. But the difference is that what they've done different is that they've added a little bit like the blindfold thing. So it could be like, oh, this this looks like a scene from The Magnificent Seven, but with everybody blindfolded. So you didn't think the blindfolded <laughs> thing added anything new to it? 
I think as well, there were some scenes in it where the blindfolds could have come off a lot easier than what they did. There were, there were certain times in the film with, you know, people saying, oh, look, 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 look. And I think, and I mean, I, it's really tough to stay blindfolded. I would find, I, I would think that that would, and they I did, to be, be fair, but I think that hard, would, yeah. that would be like really, really super difficult, I think. And especially for, you know, some younger, younger, it would be so difficult not to keep that, that blindfold on, you know. Um, well, so, but, so you, you don't think that they did enough with that sort of central tension of, ooh. Uh, well, it was, it's the case of, I think they, they, you know, they managed to keep the blindfolds on for a hell of a long time. And, and it would have been, I think with anybody, it had been just sort of super tempting to just say, well, just have a little peek, just have a little peek. Yeah. But she was determined, I'll give you that. So Sandra Bullock, she was determined yeah. not to, and she did instill it, didn't she? And that you will not yeah. take these blindfolds off no matter what. This is based on a book, so I think probably they may have explored some of these issues right, more okay. deeply in the book. Have you read the book? No, I haven't. I'm you aware haven't of the book. It, oh, I've right. sort of seen it around. It's one of those it's ones where you books. pick up and go, oh, shall I get yeah. that or read that? And then I've put it down again. So I might add it to my... I have a. I always have a buy-me-a-book list to give to people whenever there's a, an occasion coming up. And it's like, I might add it to my <laughs> buy-me-a-book list. It's like, <laughs> buy me this, buy me this. Yeah, I actually think that's yeah. a good idea. Uh, I did that for my birthday recently. I just... I essentially ended up with like a whole bunch of graphic novels. I'm loving it right now. But, <laughs> so, um, so, so with this, okay, so, so we have the whole, we have the survival thing and all that. And obviously, this has been a quite a big hit for Netflix. Netflix don't re- they don't release the viewing figures. So pretty much the only sort of like measure you have of how good a Netflix thing is is how many people are tweeting about it, how many people are talking about it, how many memes it inspires. And like, so you have Stranger Things, you know, there's loads of memes from that. People start using the, the language in that. But there's this thing called the Bird Box Challenge, which has started off and has made it into the news a couple of, because they made this film. And I think a lot of people have started trying to do things like drive their cars while blindfolded and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I think that... Yes, there is one scene in the film where they, they're all, they paint the windows of this car and they blindfold themselves and they... No, they don't blindfold themselves inside the car, but they paint the windows so they can't see out. Yeah. And they use the in-car sat-nav. Yeah. And so they have to, and the proximity alerts. So they, they basically navigate through the city using the sat-nav. So ah. I think, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend anyone do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think they have been some deaths. <laughs> yes, I think people have just been like, hey, let's try that. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I think pe- people have tried that and they put it up on, uh, it, maybe they're just chasing that sort of like YouTube infamy. And they, but I think they've they've done yeah. it. They've put it, they've put up things on YouTube, and so much so that Netflix had to come out and say, "People, don't do the bird box challenge. It is stupid. Why would you?" Yeah. Do <laughs> so, so I think so, but but I think for them it has been actually a big hit. So, what would you guys say about that? Because I think this is one of the biggest. I mean, they've got a big star in it. They've got a really good director. I think it's Suzanne Beer who directed it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. At, yeah and um, they've got a really good director, really good star. I know they've. I know the supporting cast is really good as well. So this is a big yeah, play. Yeah, Sarah Paulson again, John yeah. Malkovich. Yes. Yeah, John Malkovich, isn't it? Um, yep. I can't yep. remember his name, but the guy who was in... I can't remember the name of the guy. <laughs> yeah, but, but essentially... Uh, Trevanti Rhodes, he was very good in oh, it yeah. as well. Yeah, he was in Moonlight, yeah. yeah. So, it was a moonlight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah they, I thought the cast was very good. Yeah, I, yeah, I liked, the casting. All, and it, some of them yeah. were very likable, weren't they? They were, yeah. Tom Holland, they popped up. Yeah, there was, was I mean, it was surprising with the cast. Yeah, yeah a real so, mixture. 
So, so how many how many stars would you give this big Netflix play? Me, I would give it two. Whoa. I'd give it a three. Oh, okay, cool. Two, three. Good. Well, yeah, and too, too too many cliches borrowed from too many movies. Um, yeah, know, just, we know we know how much you lo- uh, we know how much you abhor you abhor logical yeah. holes in your films, Sean. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, I was talking that again. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to people about that, but this, yeah, no, it didn't didn't. Um, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, like All right, cool. So a 2.5 for Birdpox then, taking the average of you two. All right, and now we move on to our next movie, which is Mary, Queen of Scots. Sean, you've seen this. Okay. I have seen this, yes, yes. This is, a, this is um, the story of well, <laughs> story of Mary, Queen of Scots, basically. <laughs> um, if anybody knows, Elizabeth, was on, Elizabeth I was on the throne of England, and you had this, this really beautiful young... Mary Queen of Scots, Mary Stuart, who was basically was was probably had more right to the throne than Elizabeth, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't. No, well, no, it depends don't so. if you use primogenitor. She didn't. Okay. Because <laughs> she's the, she was the grand. They're both grandchildren yeah, of the yeah. king, but one was through the female line and one was through the male line. So the one through the male line would always take precedent over one through the female line. Do you think that's right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Uh, well, it's okay. just in the, so, the laws yeah. of the day. Yeah. yeah, so. yeah for, for anybody, for anybody listening, I know you want to get in <laughs> touch with us. I know we signed you on, Sharon. You give me some daggers looks then. <laughs> so, but, so, if, so for anybody who's listening, that if you if you're listening, you want to get to in touch with us on Twitter, we're at Netflix versus Cinema. Yeah. Just know that Sharon is a bit of a royal buff. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't argue. <laughs> no, no, I don't argue. No, no that's my, fair I, enough. Well, I, so, I know someone because I saw the trailer for this film. Sorry, yeah. and then what she, there was one scene where it takes about you know I am your queen. I was thinking, right. hang on a minute, hang there. On a minute. <laughs> let's go look this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did actually go and look up the family oh, tree right. to see where they were connected. And I was like, no, no, no. Okay, okay. Well, if you come enough. through the male okay. line and you come through the female so, line, I'm, then I mean, okay. if we if we so go sure. Wars of the Roses, I'd be all right. But the Tudors, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, basically, this is the story. So so she comes over from France to Scotland, um, and and. The thing is, there's a lot of court intrigue because she's very determined. She's yes. very, very determined and what she wants to do. And, of course, that upsets a lot of people. So... Uh, I'm guessing mostly the men. Uh, all the men, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. That mainly the dukes and, and you know, because there were Scottish dukes as well, the Scottish yeah. noblemen, even, even his stepbrother. Um, her stepbrother, you know, he's like... He, really, he's got designs on the throne himself. So, yeah. obviously, it's a bit... So... There's a bit of a falling out there. And in England as well, obviously, all the... Elizabeth uh, is Elis- unmarried. Yeah, Elizabeth is unmarried. All the advisors, they're like, oh, you know, you've got to be careful. So basically, the story is you've got these two women and you've got their their advisors, whatever, which obviously they don't, they're not keen on women. So they, you know, they, they try to be manipulative and they try to, you know, cause the different, different types of... Uh, of problems, you yeah. know what I mean? They want to get rid of that. They want what they want. The men have got the ulterior motives, especially yeah. more so in Scotland, because Mary is so determined. So that's basically the story. You've got these two queens, which goes between. The film on a whole, okay, is I really enjoyed uh, most of the film. Yep. But what was really, really disappointing, and there was, a, I mean, in, in real life, they never, ever... They never met. They, they don't believe never met. they ever met, do they? But in this film, obviously, there's a scene because, I mean, I think people talk in about it and it's with, in the trailer um, as well. The one they did years and years ago, I'm trying to think who was the actress in it. Oh, Glenda Jackson. Glenda Jackson. They did a scene there, didn't they, before she went to Fotheringay, yeah. that they did a scene where they'd met. But they don't believe it ever happened. No. But 
that Mary and Elizabeth ever met. So hey, dramatic up license. Until, <laughs> up until that point, up until that point, I thought was really good. From that point, which is because basically what happens is she gets the, the the Scottish nobleman basically kick her out and accuse her of yeah. treason. So she goes for protection to Elizabeth. You yeah, know, she says, "Oh, will you? Can you? Can you help me? Can you?" So basically, she goes to Elizabeth the first for protection before anything else. Yeah, and then they meet. They've got this meet, but it's not you know. Oh no, don't must never be known. But they they sort of meet up in this like uh, abandoned house, I guess you'd say. Yeah. But there's all these these sheets up to sort of conceal them, all, and they're walking down, and it's all very very staged. Yeah, and I mean, I normally lo- the thing is, I normally normally like Margot Robbie. I did not like her in this role. Right. I did as Elizabeth. not. As Elizabeth, didn't work for me. Everything else, I, Tonya, loved her in that. And, you know, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, all those films, all those different roles. Tarzan, I loved her in all those different yeah. roles. But I did not like her in this. I was really, really quite disappointed. Yeah. And. Yeah. yeah and. Sorry. And, and. And the same goes with, uh, I can never Sir pronounce she. her name. Sir Shirshi. Shirshi Ronan. Yeah, it's the worst, worst role I've seen her in. For me, really? this is this is my personal, personal, and that scene where they meet, it just it wasn't convincing for me. I mean, this is me. Some people might really like it, and then it just got really. Now I could not really must, see this. I, one of the reasons I haven't seen the film was because I've only seen the trailer, yeah. and it, and it didn't just didn't appeal to me. Oh well, because I'm interested right. in the history. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge fan no. of Elizabethan history, but I'm interested in that, and I think. Mary Queen of Scots is having something of like a historical renaissance at the moment because people yeah. are trying to like redeem her. Mm. She's if you watched if, if none of us are you know young enough to, but Rain on the moment is about her life in France. Right. Um, okay. It's been on Netflix for like four, three or four seasons. Oh yeah. And that's all about Mary's life because she was married. She was she had like three marriages throughout her life, and she was married to the, I think it was like the Dauphin of France or the King of France. And then she yeah, was he, married he to died. Darnley and Darnley, then to Bothwell. Yeah. Darnley in this is like, he's, just, he's manipulated by everybody so much. It's oh, just he was like, a weakling. Yeah, yeah, weak, well, he is in well, this. Well, I think in the past, she's always been portrayed as being a bit of a weakling who falls for a pretty face. Yeah. And he was sent to Scotland to basically seduce her. And then there's the whole Bothwell thing where some people now believe that he compromised her deliberately. Um, and some, that's maybe a polite way of saying that he actually raped her. Yeah, yeah. There's some historians believe you know, that she only married him to save her reputation because he had compromised her. Uh, so they're, tr- they're trying to like redeem her a little bit, but I don't know how they've handled it in this film. But well, I didn't like it. Okay. Some people <laughs> call her the Tartan so, Trollop and some people don't. Okay, so <laughs> anybody who's watched the trailer would know that obvious, that Sean, does your dislike of Margot Robbie in this film have anything to do with the fact that they uglify her? Um, no, because that part was really, really good, where she's like <laughs> poxed up and that. That part was really, yeah. really good. But she just didn't look comfortable. She did not look comfortable in this role. Right, yeah, she didn't she, inhabit she, the part. Yeah, she didn't inhabit the part. So the makeup was fantastic. I'm not going to knock that, because I did think that's the sort of thing, you know, real plastered on, because yeah. obviously yeah, she was did. very pop, pop face. Um, so... The makeup was fantastic. The performance, I didn't think, was convinced me. You know, I didn't, I, it didn't do it for me. Okay. And I really, really had no sympathy at all with, <laughs> with Saoirse and Mary Queen of Scots, as far as I'm concerned, you know. <laughs> but it, and ultimately, it was her son that inherited the throne. It was, yeah, yeah. So it does, and it does mention that towards the end. Yeah. But, but there is, the best scene of Margot Robbie is right at the end when she's actually decided that, you know, she's going to be, a man, she's going to be like a, a man. Well, a man. King, she's going to be like a king. And and there is, yeah. And there's this one scene where she's in all the regalia, and that that 
stud look. That's sort of the yeah towards the end. That's normally about the time of the Spanish Armada. Spanish Armada, yeah. Mm. So, so yeah, but, but oh, and I hated, I hated Mary's stepbrother as well. I don't know who the actor was. I don't even know what Juki was, but he was awful. He was absolutely awful. <laughs> really, really awful. So it would have been one of these, uh, one of these guys. So, so yeah. yeah so I don't know who the Sean, actor was. But... Sean, I'm guessing you liked this film then. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's say it had moments. I liked it up to a certain point. I liked it. I liked it to a point, and then afterwards, not quite there. Not quite there. So, how many stars would you give it? Uh, well, I suppose I'd have to be. Uh, uh, I'm going to give it a three star because I Ooh. think it had enough going for it. For for, I give it a three star just because up until that point where they met some and some of it was some of it was really good and quite interesting, but uh, <coughs> I won't give it any more than that. And that's that's pushing it. That's pushing it a little bit because I didn't hate it. I I didn't actually hate it, but is he I sure? Say it was and. I had already written Sorry, down two. I'd already written down two I based did. on what you said. I think you said three. So, oh, cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, that's, yeah, surprising. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. So now let's, uh, we'll move on from Mercury's Courts. So we're going to move on to, because we, we spoke last week about how there is a certain category of Netflix movie, which is the movies that you meant to catch in the cinema, but you but like they just disappeared really quickly. And then you, you have to catch up on them or something like Netflix. And I think this is where they, they can actually make a lot of, Inroads, and I saw one this last week that fell slap bang into this. This is Nocturnal Animals, and Nocturnal Animals, I believe it was around in the last award season, so about a year ago, and um, people were talking about it. It was the second film by Tom Ford, who did a single man, and uh, uh, he's a fashion designer turned film director. Mm. And did any of you guys watch this one when it was in the cinema? No, no, I didn't see that one. All right, cool. It, now this is this is a it's a weird film. I mean, after I watched the film, I actually had to. I I went on Facebook and I you know how you can say on Facebook, oh, you're watching this or you're reading this or anything. And my comment was just, huh? <laughs> <laughs> because what have I just seen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I was like, wait, 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 what just happened? What just happened? And the funny thing about the film is that all the way through, you have the feeling that very much it is built for you to have that exact reaction. They are, they, everything is, it's not, it's not like a huh because it's badly made. It's actually quite a well-made film. It's quite an engaging film. By the end, you're left going, what did I just watch? <laughs> what, what just happened? And it's all based around, um, it stars Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal. And, but it's really, it's really Amy Adams' movies. And it's, it's about, she is, the film kicks off. And it kicks off in this art gallery showing. So she has, she's an artist and she has this whole thing about people. And she has like, you know, models who are posed around the gallery. And it's very pristine, very white, very cold, very, uh, I think they are supposed to be in New York. So it's very sort of like, you know, a New York high society kind of gathering. And everybody's talking to her about how great her, her, her art opening is. And then you get to meet her husband, who's played by Army Hammer. And the, but as the film goes on, it, it turns out that she is, she, she has an ex-husband and he sends her a book and he, he sends her a, a manuscript for a new book. It says, this book is coming out soon, but I wanted you to read it before it's done. And the book is dedicated to her and it's called Nocturnal Animals. Then the film switches into her reading the book. So most of what you, most of what you're watching is actually the story that she's reading, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the story that is reading. So Jake Gyllenhaal plays her husband, but he also plays the main character in the book. 
and it's all about this guy who is driving through West Texas with his family late at night, and they encounter some people. So he's, he's driving through his family. His family is his wife and his, his teenage daughter, and they encounter some people, and it, th this book that this guy has written is not nice. It is, it is, it's like one of those sort of like, you know, the dredges of human society kind of book. It's violent. It's it, essentially, it reads like the kind of, it, it reads like the kind of thing like Tarantino would like to turn into a film, maybe. But without the humor. So it's just, it's just kind of like, you know, it, it's a dark, it's a dark, worrying a book. Yeah. And so, and as it gives, as, as you, she reads through the book, you keep cutting between her life in real life and the book because, and it turns out that she left him and she left him in quite a horrible way and she hurt him quite badly. And he, and he used to call her an eternal animal. The book's called Nocturnal Animals. So you start seeing like parallels between what's happening in the book and in real life. So it, it and it, it gets weird. <laughs> it gets weird. So oh, I quite I don't mind weird movies. Yeah. Well, I think I think sure you might like this. You might like this because you're watching it, and it's the kind of film you spend almost your entire time watching the film, trying to figure out what they are doing. Not just what's so you're trying to figure out what's going on on one hand, but you're also trying to figure out what they are doing. What are they trying to tell me? What's going on there? Ooh, was that a was was that significant? Oh, that character in the that character in the story was lying down in exactly the same way as that character in real life. But how could that have happened? Because he wouldn't have known that. And, and in, the, in the story, the, the main character um, in the play by Amy Adams, Susan, has red hair. And in the story, the man's, hus the man's wife has red hair. And, <laughs> and, the, and the way the film ends, the, the film, it's kind of like, you know, imagine if I'm, talking, I'm telling you a story, right? And in the middle of a sentence, That's that's how the film ends. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> we thought that was good, Toes, and that was. I thought we'd lost you there for a minute. I was like, oh my goodness, that was perfect, perfect timing. <laughs> no, no, honestly, the film kind of ends like that. You just go, huh? But it stays with you for days as you go back through it, trying to figure out, okay, what? And I can understand why this film was not in cinemas for that long because it would not have had that long a shelf life or that wide an appeal. I don't think. I think there would have been a couple of people who would have been going and going, oh, yes, and stroking their beards and going, oh, yes, Tom Ford. Oh, well, what you see here, he's, he's talking about the, <laughs> the alienation of the people in New York, how everybody in New York is alone in a crowd and stuff like Those people would have loved the film. And sure enough, a lot of people did do talk about the film and talk about how much they love it and all that. I was, I was confused for a long part of it. And it's one of these... Sure, you know you know what it reminds me of a bit. What's that? It reminds me of Mother. Oh right, okay. Uh, oh right, but, okay. But That'd bit. be interesting then. But, that, that's that's got. But yeah. but a bit because Mother was crazy from the get go. You knew it was crazy. You didn't expect it to make sense. You knew it was allegorical. So you just hung on tight and just waited until the end of the film, and then you went, okay, cool. Let's see if we can piece this together. This, on the other hand, looks normal. But you keep going, hang on, what did that mean? What did that go? Was that, was that allegorical? Did that actually happen? Is, that like, is, is it in her head? Why did that show up? What's going on? What did he do? Why did he say that and do that? And it, you, and it just stays in your mind for a while afterwards. And you start thinking, hang on a second, what's going on here? And a bit like Mother, I'm going to have to say it is actually a really good film and give it, give it four stars. Even though my one word review of this film was, huh?
I'll have oh, to give, right, okay. I'll have to give it four you have stars. To give that four stars. Yeah. Does that count? So does that count towards Netflix as it was released at the cinema? I guess it does, doesn't it? I mean, it counts towards Netflix. Well, because, you saw it as Netflix. Yeah, you saw it on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. So okay, in, in this in, in this week, we're talking about in this week. Um, what can you watch at the cinema? What can you watch on Netflix? Gotcha. gotcha. All right. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this film. I mean, I've I've heard of this film. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, no. Carry on. Carry on. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've heard of this film and I've heard good things about it, so I might I might have to catch that one sometime. The trouble is, I don't know, Sharon Tozin, there's just so much, isn't there, really? Oh. <laughs> so so good for you for catching up on it, but there's so much out there. Yeah, I know, know uh, there, there's there's too much. There is too much. And, it's, and at the moment, it's not even that there's too much, it's that there's too much good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's too much good stuff. It used to be that you could say, oh, I'll watch the good stuff and leave the rubbish. But now... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now, now, it, it, now there's a lot more rubbish, but there's a lot more good stuff. So, it's, yes. <laughs> all right, and uh, so we will now switch over to a film that, even though it was released before Christmas, um, it's still in cinemas. So that it's that, that's coming up to two months now. I think that this film has been it's in. Been- cin- yeah, it's done well, isn't it? Yeah, it has done well. I think it's trying to be this year's The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman that seemed to be in cinemas for like six months or something like that. Yeah, it just kept going, yeah. didn't it? It, it just kept going. going and going. It just didn't stop. So I'm talking about... I've Bo- not actually seen it. You haven't seen The Greatest Showman? <laughs> I haven't seen it, no. And all, I mean, all the raves, everybody has told me how good it is and I've yeah, not I, yet to, and I I went to see it. it. I know you did. first weekend. I know, I know. Well, I sure. know you did, yeah. I can't remember. Do you like your Do you like your musicals or not? I, I I don't mind musicals. Yeah, I quite like some musicals. I wouldn't say I like all musicals, but um, okay. yeah, you know, yeah. Greatest Showman was okay, but I'm I'm a traditionalist. I love the old Sharon came in actually singing something from West Side Story, yeah. and I was just like, "Oh, Sharon, that's you know that's my favourite musical." So it was just really good <laughs> that she walked in the door singing something from West Side Story. So yeah, so I do like musicals. I mean, I like West Side Story. That's okay. my favourite. You might like the but greatest. Is this a musical then. or is this a biopic? It's well, a biopic, isn't it? The yes, Bo- it Bohemian is. Rhapsody. Yeah. So the the yeah. queen the queen biopic. It's kind of it tries to have its cake and eat it. So Sharon, you were saying something about it. Yes, it's yes, it's, it's basically Freddie. It's told from the viewpoint of more or less Freddie Mercury rather than the, the whole band. Yeah. But they do get a look in, and it sort of starts basically with the Bohemian Rhapsody. There. Some people could say it was their masterpiece, but some people, it's sort of like almost a launch. It wasn't their first song, but it launched their career as people who were who were, who were willing to do something different, who yep. weren't going to follow the crowd. They were going to set their own their own trends and then yeah. they'd sort of follow their own instincts. And that's what they more or less did throughout their lives. And I think the film has almost like been, has mirrored their own careers in that you know, the critics didn't love it this film but the pop it pop it was hugely popular and i think their albums in the past have not been critically welcomed but they've been hugely popular they have been so i yeah, think yeah, it's, it's been that contrast thing. isn't it between yeah. having that critical success and having popular success that's because it. you know who hasn't got an al- a queen album stashed away well exactly <laughs> and it is basically really they they they, they weren't uh, they weren't a fantastic musical they were a pop group so they were basically a pop group and i agree with you they're yeah. popular they're very very popular great song and i remember i can remember i mean a day at the races night at the opera sheer heart attack so i remember all the albums that used to be great you know and we'd, we'd play them for like hours and i was at a party when i was about 16 months or 17 maybe and we had this party and like the neighbors complained you know it was my mate's <laughs> house and they were saying oh you know we played 
sheer heart attack, like just <laughs> over and over again, you know. So yeah, so I, I do remember it, and I, and, I, and I do like Queen. So, but this it was seventy six, I think, and it was like Christmas in the Christmas yes, charts it forever. Was a long, long, yeah, thing. So the, it does go about how they thing. created it, how they lived in this farmhouse, and how they got together, and how it was formed. This collaboration; it wasn't just one member of the band. I think what, even though this is a film about Freddie mainly, it's. It, I think it highlights the fact that there wasn't just one man in the band. There were yeah. four members of Queen, yeah, and that each of them had that they had a voice, yeah. and that each played a part and so that's why they now I think famously they're all their royalties are split four ways equally yeah I think that was quite that was that, that was that was really time. nice because really uh for me I think the musical bit behind it was probably um you know Roger Taylor he was the yeah. he, I mean his guitar sound was really no, that, um, that's Brian he May he was a drummer he was a drummer a uh, Brian May yeah yeah so so uh yeah it was uh you know it was um that was Brian May, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Brian May was the guitar. Well, think... Oh yeah, yeah, Brian May was. Brian yeah, he was a guitarist. guitarist. Yeah, yeah, he was a guitarist. And who was the other one? Deacon. John yeah, Deacon. Um, John Deacon. John, John Deacon, Deacon was the bass was player. The, the bass. Bass player. <laughs> see, see, well, they'll know the Queen songs, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> but I don't. Well, then is John Deacon is the one that everybody forgets. Yeah. And and based on the way he's lived his life, I think he likes it that way. He's the one who just stays out of the way. But but does he contribute in this movie? Does he? He doesn't. Does he have any input in it? Does Roger Taylor have any input? No, no, no. no, no, I say, I say, I say that they all do. I think that the film they actually... They all do, yeah. and, and that should, comes over in the movie, does it? I yeah. think it really yeah. does come I don't come think over. he was involved in the making of it. I think Brian May and Roger Taylor were involved in the making of this right, film. Right, right. They were, they were they were sort of included and part of it, but I think John Deacon just chose not to be. So, But I think he's quite fairly represented as the in, fact that yeah, the, he yeah. did write a lot of these famous bass lines and he did have a voice in the band, even though he's chosen not to be in the limelight anymore. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Apparently he does all the taxes. He does all the taxes. taxes. Oh, he does all their taxes. <laughs> yes. Is um, is is there just that of interest? Was there any reaction from the actual the, the surviving band members to this movie or not? Well, they, they, were, they, they, they were involved they, in they, making it. They were involved so, in making. Oh, they were involved in making yeah. it. Oh, well, that's so, cool then. So Brian May yeah. and Roger Taylor are actually down as executive producers in the film, and and I yeah. think right. that might be part of the. But they auditioned Rami Malek as well. They they auditioned him and they that he went to Roger Taylor's flat and he sang yeah, he had to sing Queen to them, songs yeah. to them in front of them. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. okay. As Freddie. As Freddie. So, so but the things things I think about this about this film, first of all, first and foremost, so Rami Malek, he's he is one of the people who is nominated for best actor. And I do think that this film rises and falls on him. Because as you say, it is yes. primarily the it's sort of like the Freddie Mercury story with a supporting bit of the Queen story of how they came together and all that. But it's, so I, it, it does rise and fall on him. And I, feel, I think at the film, it, it does, his, his performance is brilliant. I mean, a lot of times you forget you're watching Rami Malek with the prosthetic teeth and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm just thinking, okay, yeah, this is Freddie Mercury. I'm just watching him. And, and even at the end where they I do think that. that did, I think that did come across in the trailer, didn't it? Yeah. It come yeah. across. I mean, it, it, he looks really, really good in, in yeah. the trailer for the movie, you know. And, and even at the end of the film, when they do that whole thing, when they show you pictures of the actual people who they're playing, even though even when they show the real Freddie Mercury, you still go, yeah, I still buy Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. And so I think, the, <laughs> I, I, I think the performance is brilliant. I think that the way that they, they do jump around a lot. And I feel like there the are areas of his life that they could have done more with. That they could have. I think they yeah they sort of sketched over some of the aspects the, yeah. of I think his life. 
Yeah, like I yeah. think his... some of the more what seedy aspects. Or... Yes, I think what, so. Well, I, yeah. that is, I don't even think that they. I don't even think that they, because the the film later on it gets quite seedy. It gets quite seedy. So they they show you that these things happened. They don't just they don't just go mega They don't go graphic with it. It's like they like there's there's scenes where it shows up. Okay, this is Freddie Mercury's house in Munich, and there is an orgy going on. It's very obvious that that is what's going on, but they don't go graphic into yeah. the orgy. So it's so it's um it's almost like it the hints pe- at his lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it show, it's, it doesn't shy away from this way his lifestyle was. But for me, it was the other things like the his the relationship with his father. I thought was I was like, ooh, there's something interesting going on there. But they sort of brush over that. The fact that he obviously he was he was born Zoroastrian and his real name is Farouk Bolsara. And why does why did he want to go so far away from that? Why didn't he want to be known as that? I thought that that was kind of interesting as well as to what goes on. Uh, um, um, and they don't really go on there. The fact that he was engaged to marry a woman for a long time before he came out as gay. And the way they, the, the way they, they portray that relationship is like it's a really, really loving relationship. And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. So this is great. He genuinely loves this woman. She was part of his life until he died, even after he came out as gay. What was yeah, go- and she's inherited most of his estate as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you're like, so what was going on there? How did, what was going on? How how does that work? And I think that it, there was bits of it where I felt a little bit like when I was watching the Danish girl, and the change yes. from when this person is in what seems to be a seemingly happy relationship, but then this change is happening and it's changing. And I think the Danish girl goes a little bit more into that. So I feel like there are interesting bits that the film could have gone into. But quite frankly, what this is really, really interested in is giving you a great time. Let's get to all the songs. Yeah. And it ends up, it ends at Live Aid. And so there were issues I had with the film. But by the time you get to the Live Aid concert, you're ready to forget all those issues and just go, wow. Yeah, I think it's the key. I think it's pivotal, isn't it? That Live Aid sequence at the end. Because oh I think God, people awesome. of a certain age will just remember that because yeah. I certainly remember sitting and watching that particular performance. So I think anyone of an age who remembers Live Aid will go, yes, that is my Live Aid experience watching yeah. that. Even if it was only watching on the television, not being there live. But that for most people, if you say, what was your Live Aid experience? Mine was like Bob Geldof swearing and they include that in the film. And, <laughs> yeah, they do. And the, and the Queen Queen, con- the Queen bit. Yeah. I, I, I can only remember the single. <laughs> then, yeah. Yes. So I mean, I did see it. I did watch it, and I think he even recorded it on videotape at one time. Yeah. For the, yeah. But I, I mean, I know Queen Ron, and I was aware of some of the others, but I really don't remember it. Yeah. I really. It's, that's terrible, isn't it? No, really. it's not. Well, so I, it didn't have an impact on me. I, have, I remember status quo, and then I remember Queen. they were the first on, weren't they? Yeah, they were I believe on. they were the first on. Yeah. Well, I was never. I, never I remember the finale. I remember the finale where they start singing the different words to "Do They Know It's Christmas?" Right. And I just thought, "Why well, you're making up? You're making all these words up now." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, yeah. I, I thought it was. Oh, it was I, good. I, I thought it was a good film. I think for most of it, it's a three star film, but because of the. Because of the live aid bit at the end, I'm going to have to make it a four. Okay. I would go okay. with the same. I'd probably yeah. give it a four as well, based on the fact that, yes, it, it took you straight back to my living room, 1980, whatever it was, yeah. watching live aid at home. Yeah, and, and, and so it, is it just, just Queen on live aid, or was it there's some other stuff as well? So you see other bands coming and going, but right. it's mainly the Queen footage yeah. of live okay. aid. Yeah, well, the, actual the proper footage. No, 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 no they recreate it. Almost oh, they recreate it. They, oh, right. they okay. recreate it. That would be interesting. Eh? And it just makes you think. It makes you think that like Freddie Mercury, Mercury was a bit of a one-off. Uh, anyway, 
So yeah, so for that, I would give it. I'll give it a four. All right, now let's get onto a final film, Sharon. So you have yes, you have found this a, is a Netflix, a Netflix original. Yep, and this is brand new out of the box. I think it was only released last week. Yep, yep. So it's called Io Last on Earth, which okay. is its subtitle. And again, it's like almost mirroring one of the earlier films we talked about, Bird Box, which is a Netflix original. This is um, this is an eco apocalypse. So we're we're in a situation where we're at some point in the future, we don't know when, and you see this woman who's wearing a face mask and has breathing apparatus on, and she's exploring obviously a an abandoned, overgrown. You no know, sort of crumbling world as we know it, and then you see her riding like a quad bike to this sort of like biodome in this isolated house in like this clear bit, and on the road it says like clean air or something. And then as the story progresses, you find out basically she's one of the last people left on Earth. That most of Earth's inhabitants left to form these colonies orbiting the the moon of Io. Um, where they can mine it to get um, more fuel to do then sort of deep space exploration. Oh, that's one of the and moons of Saturn, oh, right? One of the moons of Saturn, yeah. Okay, yeah. Is it always at Jupiter? It's a, it's a it's a far off planet. Oh no, I think it's Jupiter. And yeah. So yes. Jupiter. So she was with her father living in this sort of isolation, and he was a scientist, and they're basically sort of studying um, whether life will continue because her father firmly believes that you know where there's life, it evolves and adapts. Yeah. So if this eco-apocalypse is basically the earth turned toxic. So people would like suffocate in their sleep. They would just get develop breathing problems. And, mm-hmm. and you either had to, and there are very few green sort of clean air pockets left on the, on the earth. All right. And so she's basically following up, continuing her father's work, trying to see is, is life sustainable on earth? So she has like some bees and she's growing plants and she runs all these experiments constantly trying to see <laughs> if, you know, it sounds, if, sounds know, like if life will find a way. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but I gather it's very similar. <laughs> <laughs> so she's trying to basically, she's living on her own. And then one day, this this hot air balloon with its sort of closed sort of um, closed box, basically, underneath it, uh, lands in her clear air zone. And it's this man. And they she explains, and they sort of, you know, they meet, and the story continues from there. But it's basically exploring about, you know, an eco-apocalypse, you know, what are we doing to our planet? What would would we adapt? Would we survive? What does it take for someone to survive on a dying world? And okay. do you carry on? And what makes you want to carry on? Okay, so besides the fact that it seems like Netflix is really, really keen on destroying the world. Yeah, um, yeah these apocalyptic, <laughs> yeah. Things. apocalyptic things. Yeah, but besides that, is so is it, it sounds like it's a bit of a thinky sort of mood piece as opposed to a plot-driven film. Yes, because there's literally only five people in this film, and then two of them are voices only. You don't actually see them. Oh wow! <laughs> so you only actually see two actors acting together. Then you see flashbacks of another two people. So it is just the two of them in most of the film, and it is cheap. a thoughtful. It's quiet. Yeah, I think it must have been quite cheap to make because they only had like two locations, <laughs> and <laughs> and so it's yeah, it's one of these sort of like quite intense. Um, a post-apocalyptic stories, really. All right, but it's I yeah, it's in, it's in, it's in a quiet film. I don't think it's for everyone's taste because no flashbang, there's no big events in it. Yeah, it's, like The Martian. Well, it reminded no, no but it's no, not really. Sim- no. That was more humor. There wasn't a lot of humor in this, but there's it's more sort of quiet. It reminded me a little bit of a film I only ever saw on an illegal streaming site. 
Right. I don't think it was ever released in this country. And it was called, I don't want to use American things, but it was called Z for Zachariah. But I think the Americans knew it was Z for Zachariah. Right. Oh, yeah. And that featured Margot Robbie as someone, who, a woman who was left living on her own. And then not just one man, but two men appear and it causes all sorts no. of chaos. Oh, dear. And so this is, and, um, and that was Margot Robbie and Chris Pine and Chuetti Ajoifo in Zedpa Zachariah. And this is uh, Margaret Qualley and Anthony Mackie. Oh, Anthony as Mackie. the two. Ooh, I like him. Uh, so it creates, the, obviously there's, there's issues of relationships and there's issue of, um, is there a future together? Is there not a future together? That sort of thing. So it, that's the only film I could compare it to was Zedpa Zachariah, which right. I don't think anyone has ever no, heard I've of. No, I've not seen that or heard of it. Uh, but I, yeah, I caught that because I thought, oh, that looks intriguing. Yeah. So I watched, yeah, so I said it was more of a companion piece to that. All right. Uh, but it was, it, I thought it was an interesting little film. Yeah, but it's called IO Last on Earth. Oh, right. cool. So what would you so give it? That's interesting. I would give it a three. I don't think it's everyone's cup of tea. And I was thinking about it afterwards thinking, and it left at the, at the, I don't want to give any clues about it, but um, some aspects I was thinking it was a bit like inconclusive. Okay. Um, okay. But I thought I enjoyed it as a, as a quiet sort of science fiction, you know, thoughtful thing. So I enjoyed it. So I'd give it a three as, okay. as, a, as, a, as a steady, you know, steady, uh, interesting watch. What they needed was a nice M. Night Shyamalan type twist. It's like, yes, that's what it needed, but it wasn't quite. <laughs> Guess what? No Guess what? In this one. It's like you're all on Earth the whole time, and there's no, there's been no apocalypse. You've just, you're just an experiment. Woo! There is actually a television drama called, I think, Ascension. Well, I think where they did that, where they left Earth on a spaceship. I'll give you spoilers. I don't think I was going to watch it uh, because, um, and they, they, and it's about life a hundred years in the future, or you know, fifty years in the future, where they've been living on this spaceship, yeah. traveling to this far off planet. And the big twist is, it turns out that. They never actually left Earth. They're all it's an all experiment, and they're all in within this spaceship, which is in a huge warehouse oh, somewhere. I, I and think I saw just that. Been playing with them, <laughs> yeah, it was on Sky One. I think, yeah, I ago. yeah. But so yeah, that's that sort of thing. But no, I thought it was a good film, so I'd give it a solid three for oh, me. Well, there you go. Oh, all right, cool, good stuff, good stuff. All right, now before I give you the final things, I just like to say, when we talk about things that link films today, to Today seems to be the week, well, this, this episode seems to be the week where we talk about child actors coming back in unexpected roles. So in Glass, we had Spencer Treat Clark, who comes back 19 years later to play. I mean, I can't tell you how happy that made me. That made me so happy when I realized that it was the same kid in Unbreakable who came back. But also in Yeah, because Bo- he was in Gladiator as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was, yeah. But, but also in Bohemian Rhapsody, the guy who plays John Deacon is an actor called Joe Mazzello, who, yes. before Bohemian Rhapsody, was, yes. he was best known as the kid from Jurassic Park. Yes, I remember, <laughs> I remember looking him up thinking, where do I know you? Yeah, he was the Jurassic Park boy. He was the yeah. Jurassic Park boy. And I was, like, oh, I was like, oh my God, it's him. Wow. I'm so happy people are still getting work all these decades later. But, but on that note, is all that's left to say is that this week, of everything that we've said, the winner is cinema. Ooh, oh, well done, we've got cinema! A winner this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah cinema. <laughs> last week was a draw, wasn't it? Last, last week tied, was a draw. Yeah. The week before, yeah. Netflix took it, and now we actually have that. We said this week we had a better time going to the cinema to watch these films than we did staying at home watching Netflix. So all that's left to say is thank you for listening to us. Tune in next week where maybe I will finally, finally, actually watch Roma. 
and see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> and um, I don't know what else is in the cinema or anything like that, but I'm sure we'll find something to watch and let you we'll know about it. We'll find something. I'm ho- hopefully you'll get to see Vice, because I'd like to know. I, I mean, I've already seen that, but I'd like to know what you guys think. That is coming out this week. Oh, it's coming out tomorrow. Yep, yep. Coming yep. out tomorrow. Yeah, so, okay. yep. so maybe Vice. if you guys could catch that yeah, one. I've got I don't a free know. afternoon Did... Saturday, so I might see if I can catch something Saturday afternoon. Did you see The Big Short? Did you watch no. The Big Short? Did you see The Big Short? Yeah, it did. It did. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right, yeah. But this, this is this is better than the Big Short. It's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. So, so I would be interesting. It'd be interesting if we, because it's nice if we've all seen something. Yeah. We can yeah all it is. It, it is. And it's nice to see individual things. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So, Elders have to say is goodbye from me. Goodbye from and Sean. Goodbye from me. Goodbye for me. Yay! Goodbye. From see you me. later. See you guys next week. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye.